Turn with me in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I want to uh, talk to you tonight on a uh, somewhat, I guess, can be controversial within the body of Christ. Uh, sometimes we adults don't like to hear this topic that I'm going to be talking about tonight. Uh, but it's just simply uh, called maturity in the body. That's what I'm going to call it, just maturity in the body. Now, the reason we don't like to hear it sometimes is because we think that we, we know how to act mature. We think sometimes that we have it all figured out and we know exactly how we need to respond, how we, what we need to say. Uh, we, we hear words all the time in church about re- reprove and rebuke, uh, different things like that, and it has its place within the body. Sometimes within the body of Christ, we use those words uh, and we cross a line when we use those words, when we, when we try to reprove and we try to rebuke. How many would understand what I'm fixing to say? There's always a right and a wrong way to do things. You know what I'm talking about. There's always a right and a wrong way to reprove. There's always a right and a wrong way to rebuke at times. But the Scripture is very clear, and James is very good about laying this, this foundation out for us of how we as the body of Christ uh, needs, to, uh, needs to behave. Everybody say behave. We tell our kids that. You need to behave. You know, act right. Uh, straighten up. You know, things like that. Well... All the words that you typically use, well, let me just say a lot of the words that you typically use as mom and dad growing uh, with your kids growing up, you know, behave and listen and, and straighten up. We really can use those same things within the body of Christ. But we've got to be careful how we use that within the body of Christ because we'll run folk out of the church instead of trying to bring them in to the body of Christ. We've got to do everything You've heard me say this over and over, you know, the apostle, Peter said, look, we got, they're going to know that we're disciples by our love. So everything that we do by action and word and deed, we have to do that with the spirit of, of humility, with the spirit of love upon our hearts. And so James, James talks to us a little bit about this. Look with me in James chapter 1. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. And then he says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall into those trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, probably without a doubt, uh, the biggest problem that we have within the body of Christ that I would say today, there's a lot of things we could, we could, we could put the... Uh, but a list, but probably one of the largest problems, the greatest problem that we have within the body of Christ is a lack of spiritual maturity. The body of Christ is not spiritually mature like we think we are at times. We get in, in ourselves into all kinds of problems by saying immature things at times. There are moments that we pick with one another, not really knowing how it's going to respond, how the other person is going to respond, or maybe what their day is going through. 
A lot of times we'll place things on Facebook or social media and, and all these things and, and we'll agree with somebody or we'll talk with this or, or we'll put our own opinion out without any regards about anybody else out there in social media land and what they're going through and, and they're dealing with and ha what kind of day that they've had and all these kind of things. And, and let me just stop here and say this. Every one of us in this house tonight has been guilty of that. Every one of us. Ain't none of us innocent. I promise you. Now, we've learned from some of those things, and hopefully we've learned from some of our mistakes, but probably every one of us has been guilty of that. So we get ourselves into all kinds of issues by acting those immature ways, and, and we as the body of Christ, we've got to become spiritually mature. We've got to grow up, in other words, as James says. How many knows that, that it's God's will for you and for I to be spiritually mature in Christ? It is. It's God's will that we be mature in Christ. God wants us to grow to a spiritual maturity. Why, why does he want us to do that? Somebody help me. Why does he want us to do, to do that? So our life is show other people. Exactly. We want to be like Christ. And if we're going to be like Christ, we have to show some spiritual maturity. Now, you, find, you can find this all throughout the Scriptures about people that done this and the people that did not do this. But he wants us to do that. Matter of fact, Paul, in the Corinthian church, he began to scold the Corinthian church for their lack of maturity. And he treats them so much as if they're babies in Christ. And, and we'll read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse, verse 2. The Bible says this, I fed you with milk. You remember that scripture? I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive the solid food. All you were able to receive was the milk of the word. And he said, even now you're still not able. In other words, you, you've come this far expecting you should have been able to take the meat of the word. This is not in my notes, but let me just stop here and say, how many, how, many, how many of you know that sometimes the meat of the word can be offensive? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying it's wrong. It can be truthful. But the meat of the word sometimes can rub us the wrong way. It gets us down to where, where we need to be in order to grow spiritually. And Paul says, even now you're not able to do that, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men, he said. And so basically Paul here in this scripture tells them, I need you to grow up. God wants you to grow up because spiritual immaturity causes all kinds of issues. And say, you say, well, pastor, okay, if that's the case, I, I thought that I was spiritually mature. What is spiritual maturity in the Lord? What, what is? We take for granted sometimes we know what that is. Let me, let me, let me first tell you what, it, what it's not. Spiritually maturity is not a matter of how much gray hair you got on your head. Spiritual maturity does not mean how many wrinkles you, you, you glory with does not mean that at all. It's not, it has nothing to do with age. Everybody say amen. has nothing to do with age. Spiritually, spiritual maturity does, it does take some time, but it has nothing to do with age. It takes energy. It takes effort. No one becomes spiritually mature overnight, I promise you. When the Lord saved you, when he set you free, I promise you the next day you was not spiritually mature. You may have been spiritually free, 
You may have been spiritually delivered. You may have been spiritually thanking God because of all the sin that he, that he took off your shoulders, but you were not spiritually mature. Luke 2 and 52 says this, uh, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Even Jesus, the Son of God, had to grow in wisdom. He had to grow in stature. And so if Jesus done that, who are we to think that we can't grow in wisdom and that we can't grow in stature? But there's a warning here. here here's the warning. You can get older. You can grow gray hairs. You can have wrinkles and never become spiritually mature. Amen. There, there, there are people that I know that, that is older than I am. But Brother Parker, they're not spiritually mature. And sometimes you listen to them talk and you scratch your head and say, what, where, where is this coming from? You're supposed to be teaching me. And you're saying things that's not, even, that's not even biblical, that's contrary to the Scripture. And so we may be getting older, but sometimes we refuse to grow up. You know what I'm talking about spiritually. And so we refuse to do that. We have 50 and 60 and 70 and, you know, year-old babies in Christ. So spiritual, spiritual maturity does not mean it's a matter of age. Another thing it's not, it's, it's not a matter of appearance. You can be dressed to the hilt, but it doesn't make you mature in Christ. You can have that, the, the suit and tie on with the double-breasted suit and the, and the vest and all that kind of stuff and your hair slicked back and all that kind of stuff that we feel like is churchy, but it doesn't make you spiritually mature. People, people, some people look mature. Some people sound mature. And I guess this is what concerns me within the body of Christ because we have all, every one of us has opinions, do we not? It's sort of like noses on our face. Everybody's got a nose on your face, so you've got an opinion about things. And what really bothers me at times, we're, we're online, right? Are we online? Okay, I'm going to say it anyway. What really bothers me at times is that we got folks that will never darken the door of a church, but yet they'll tell you how to live your Christian life. You say, Pastor, does that happen? It happens all the time. And I, and I look at this stuff and I listen to some of this stuff and I say, what did... What is the deal? You won't even come to church. Does the scripture not apply to you? Don't forsake the, uh, uh, don't, uh, forsake the assembling of yourselves? Does that not apply to all of us? Yes. Does it not apply that we've got to serve God in fear and trembling and work out our own salvation, right? But yet we'll judge others and we'll look at others and yet we ourselves are not walking in the light of the scriptures. So some people will look spiritually mature and they'll sound spiritually mature. They know how to talk the talk, but the question is, do they know how to walk the walk? And the answer is no. They don't know how to walk the walk. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's harmful at times with us. It harms the body of Christ. And not only does it harm the body of Christ, you know, it, it's sort of hurtful in, 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 a, in a sense. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like folks talking about my church. We may be... And I pray to God we're not. But we may be the worst church in Blyville, but it's our church. And if you and I as God's people and as members of the church can't defend the church, then who are we? Are you, are you following me? I'm talking about the, the church, God's church. I know we've got a building here. I'm not necessarily talking about the building. And so what that means is if somebody is talking about your brother, or your sister, or condemning your brother and sister, they don't have no clue what they're talking about. Then our responsibility is to say, wait just a minute. Does not the Scripture say we need to pray for them and uphold them, lock arms with them, 
not, not push them further down. They may be going through some stuff, but we've got to uphold and strengthen the body of Christ. And so spiritual maturity is not a matter of your appearance. Appearances can be deceiving, can it not? They can be deceiving. It's not a matter of what you look like or sound like on the outside. So it's not a matter of appearance. Other thing is this, spiritual maturity is not a matter of achievement. You know, you, we, we all can be recognized by all kinds of organizations and all kinds of those things, but it doesn't make us spiritually mature. It doesn't make us spiritually mature. We can have all kinds of degrees. We can have all kinds of diplomas. Matter of fact, I know a couple of people in my life that I, that's in past life that I know that had all kinds of degree after degree after degree, but they were ignorant. Didn't have any sense, no common sense whatsoever. Their, their achievements was great, but that's all it was. It didn't, it didn't push them or propel them forward to make a better person out of them. So it's not a matter of achievement. Matter of fact, you need to understand that spiritual maturity is a matter of our attitude and our character with one another. How we treat one another. How we look to one another. It's a character and attitude that really, really makes the difference with our, with our with, with, with the brothers and sisters. Uh, D.L. Moody said this. He says, character is what you are in the dark when nobody else is around. How do you respond? It's, what, it's how you are in the dark. Recognition is what people may say about you, but character is what God knows about you. You can say all the right things and you look all the right way and all these kind of things, and, but if your attitude stinks and your character stinks, it doesn't mean anything. What God knows about you, it's the attitude, the character that comes out. In the book of James here, we have a, we have a manual, if you will, on spiritual maturity. It's a manual on, on how to become spiritually mature. This is one thing I've come to find out in my life, that a spiritual person, a mature person, is always positive when they're under pressure. Isn't that amazing? A spiritual mature person is always positive when they find themselves under pressure. James 1 says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, temptations. Count it all joy when, when those things come, knowing that the testing of your faith produces a patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lack nothing. Let those, let those qualities there uh, grow within you, that you lack nothing. Every one of us has got problems. We all know that. All of us have trials. All of us have situations that's not good. And so the question is, how do we handle those things? What do we do with those things? How do we deal with being dealt a bad hand? Does the problems blow you out of the water? Because we've got to remember, we've got to count it all joy. That's hard. Have you ever thought about that? Hallelujah, I'm going through a trial today. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't normally run around saying that. I don't call somebody on the phone and say, Hey, Brother Parker, just want to let you know I'm going through one of the toughest trials that i got, but I've got joy. I don't do that. I pray about it sometimes, God, trying to figure out why I'm going through that trial and what I need to do. But the Bible says here, we've got to count it all joy. When we fall into those, those various trials, count it all joy. And so we've got, we've, got to, we've, got to ha- we've got to handle that. The Bible, sometimes you can know the Bible backwards and forward, but you can also be rude and obnoxious as well to other people if we're not careful. How we handle those things under pressure. Count it all joy. What is our attitude toward life? Because a spiritual mature person is positive when they're under pressure. We've come to understand that. The other thing I think is this. A spiritual mature person is always sensitive to the needs of others. 
They're always seemingly sensitive to the needs of others. James 2 and 8 says, if, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. A spiritual mature person just doesn't always see his need or her need. They see others' needs as well. They see others' needs. I was blessed this week. I got a text from somebody, somebody in our church, just totally out of the blue. They said, Pastor, just want to let you know that I'm praying for you. I love you. And I want you to know that I, I thank God every Sunday that I can come and listen to you preach. Well, now, he may have not understood anything that he'd done, but it sort of lifted my spirit that day. It sort of helped me a little bit that day. And so they're always sensitive to the needs of others around them. They understand that, they're, that they're, there's, there's other people around them that's hurting, that, that, that needs things. When, when children are young, we, we, you know, they grow up and, say, and they'll make statements like, I want this or I want that or, or I don't care about what you want. I just, I want, I want, I want. But a sensitive, mature person always understands there's others that has needs as well. They don't, they don't use the slogan, it's my way or the highway. They always want to see the other person minister to always wants to see i i was blessed yesterday we uh, mildred's brother-in-law uncle bubba that i got to do his funeral there's some things i learned about this man that i didn't know he was 83 or 84 84 i think 84 84 years old he was a fighter pilot in the air force and his grandson got up and gave a great a eulogy for, for his grandfather and, and told stories about when he was in the air force and he was flying and all the things that he'd done and, and, and really, I've, I've been in the family for 30-plus years, and I never knew all these things about this guy. He was a war hero, done some extraordinary things in battle, done some extraordinary things, you know, as a fighter pilot. But nobody ever heard about that. Sister Ruth, he had medal after medal, the Bronze Star, and, and some of the highest awards that the, that, that the government can give in the Air Force concerning all of his accomplishments, but you never hear, heard any of him say anything about it because that's just the kind of guy that he was. And it was so interesting to hear all the wonderful things about, about Uncle Bubba that, that he had taken care of. But spiritually mature individual, it just, it's just not about them. It's about others as well. Paul said, I can build churches, basically. I can write theological articles. I can, even, I can even put out Christian CDs. Now, Paul didn't really say that in Scripture. I'm just sort of paraphrasing here a little bit. I can do all these wonderful things. He said, but if I don't have love for one another, then I, and I'm doing, and all I'm doing is just toot my own horn. I'm not doing anything but just toot my own horn. And so we got to understand that a spiritual mature person always understands that there's others that's in need as well, and they try to meet that need. Here's one that we, we don't like sometimes. A spiritual mature person always masters his mouth. Everybody say mouth. <laughs> Always masters his mouth. James 3 and 2 says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Loose lips is a problem sometimes. Loose lips will not only sink ships, they'll destroy lives. Now we talk about that sometimes, and we even laugh about that sometimes, but I want to tell you, that's probably a, a, a powerful, powerful thing right there. Words will destroy lives. You remember, the, you remember the little game, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, and, but words will never harm me that we always said growing up, how untrue that is? Sometimes I'd rather somebody hit me with a stick and stone than say some things about me. Why? 
Because I, sometimes bruises are heal. Well, most times they will. But words sometimes, Brother Keith, they don't heal. They don't heal. They hurt. They destroy. And they'll tear, they'll tear families. They'll tear individuals up. Matter of fact, you saw it just like I saw it. You, you, you can look at the news and our teenagers today and, and social media and somebody will say this and they'll cause them to commit suicide simply with words. Words. A spiritual mature person will master his mouth. One of the most destructive things we can do is gossip. Here's the definition of gossip. It's hearing something you like about somebody you don't. <laughs> it's hearing something you like about somebody you don't. Now, every one of us has got people in our lives that we're not crazy about. And isn't it amazing when we hear something about those people that we don't like? It's sort of like, well, tell, me, tell me that again. It's like, it's like an arsenal we can use against them, you know, that we just try to, we collect all these things. But that's, that's not how we're supposed to do according to Scripture, is it? No, no, no. We're supposed to love those that are enemies and pray for them that despitefully uses us and all those, those kind of things. Gossip is a mouth-to-mouth disease. It, self-control starts with, with tongue control. We've got to have that control with our tongue. It's just a little thing, but the Bible talked about, James says it's, it's a, it can create many, many fires. That's hard to put out. That's hard to put out. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, just to be honest with you, as, and I know I'm your pastor, but I'm, let me confess to you a little bit. I, if there's one thing that really gets my blood boiling is to hear something that somebody said about somebody else that I know for a fact is not true. But yet they tell it like it's true. And it seems like it doesn't matter what kind of damage control you can, you can do, they're still going to believe that lie. And they'll run with it. Somebody was telling me the other day or, or sometime this week that, that if, you, if you tell a lie long enough, people will begin to believe it. And that's true. We see that everywhere. We see that in our politicians. We see that in our government. We see that with friends and foe alike. But we've got to understand that's not, what, that's not what God has called us to do. The Bible talks about sometimes that there's a, there's a huge boat, but it's got a small rudder. And that little small rudder will tell that boat what direction to go. Speaking about your tongue. I promise you, every one of you, I'd ask you to stick out your tongue, but I don't want you to do that. But I promise you, if, we was, if, we, if I would get everybody, everybody in here to stick out your tongue, you, your body is bigger than your tongue. Some of y'all may not know that. I'm just helping you here. Your body is bigger than your tongue. Your ship, so to speak, is bigger than your tongue. But that tongue sometimes will make your life turn and other lives turn as well. You can use your mouth for words of encouragement, or you can use your mouth to spread words of dis- discouragement. We know that. You ever heard somebody say this? Well, I just say what's on my mind. Well, let me, let me help some more of you. Don't. Some of you don't need to. I've heard this. Well, I've reached an age where I just don't care anymore. Dear Jesus. That's a lie. I mean, that's a lie. And, you, and you're choosing to listen to this, this lie. Are we, I've, got, I've got more insurance, so I can say this or that. I, I don't know where we get these things at. We learn these things, but that's a lie. Doesn't matter how old you get. Doesn't matter how much insurance you got. If you're going to hurt somebody, offend somebody. They, you know, we live in a Sue Happy world anymore. 
You know, it happens all the time. But it does not give us a right to say and do what we want to do. Just because it comes across our mind. How many knows the enemy brings that stuff across your mind? How many knows that while you pray, he brings stupid stuff across your mind? <laughs> and you wonder, where does it come from? So sometimes, if we're not careful, we use our, our minds as a gutter for the enemy. The Bible tells in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, 29, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul, foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, because each word is a gift. Each word is a gift. Each word is a gift. Fourth thing is this. A spiritual mature person is a, is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. It's a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. James says, where do you think all these, uh, uh, these wars and quarrels come from? They don't just happen. We know it, it starts, with, it starts with, with our mouth sometimes. It starts with, with who we are as, as God's person. We've got to fight. Uh, we got, we got fight for it deep inside of ourselves, James says. And James is talking here about conflicts. He's talking about quarrels that we may have. He says that we fuss and we fight and we fume because of the inner desires of man. And really, when you think about it, we probably could all agree that when you think about it, that's really what politics is all about right now. They're fussing and feuding on who's right. You might be a Democrat, you might be a Republican, you might be a Libertarian or whatever, but you always think that you, you got the right answer and we're fighting to, to, to make our agenda pass and do this and do that instead of following what God has told us to follow. If our politicians today and our president today, if we'll just turn, like the, like the Chronicles said, if we'll just turn back to Him, begin to pray and seek His face, then there's a lot of things that will take care of. So the question we have to ask ourselves, am I a peacemaker, am I a troublemaker? Do I, do I love to stir the pot? You ever know, you know anybody likes to stir the pot? <laughs> I always just likes to stir the pot. Just stir the pot. So the marks of spiritually, a spiritual mature person is the lack of conflict. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11 says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands. Some, some of us need to write that scripture hanging around our neck. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business. You're not the judge. I'm not the judge. You didn't die for me and I didn't die for you. And I can tell you this, you probably won't die for me and I probably won't die for you. There's been one to give his life up for us and that's Jesus Christ, right? And we need to honor him. We need to trust in him. James gives us two, two things here concerning why there's so much conflict within the world today. If you're going to write these down, there's two things here. It's called selfishness is one of them. And judgmentalism is the other one. Selfishness and judgmentalism. He says in verse 11, he says, Don't speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of all the law and the judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Who are you to judge one another? And so the scripture plainly tells us we're not to do that. We're not to, we're not to judge one another. That's, that's not our job. All that does is, is create conflict within the world. And trust me, we've got enough of conflict in our world today. We've got enough of conflict within our communities today. We've got enough of conflict in our families today even. There's enough of conflict going on. So we don't need to judge. That creates those things. And so when we judge others, we become what James talks about as a troublemaker, really. We begin to judge. We begin to judge this and judge that. 
And I love, I really love how people will take a partial story and really run like it's the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Right? They create all these fires and create all these things that sometimes it's hard to put out. Another thing I know, Sister Ruth, that a spiritual mature person is, they're very patient. They're patient. They're very patient about things. James tells us in verse 7, be patient. Be patient, brothers. He said, be patient until the coming of the Lord. I don't know how long that's going to be, but be patient until the coming of the Lord. A farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. He said, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so it's another mark of that spiritual mature individual. That, that word patience here is used three times in these two verses. And that tells me that being patient, God understands that that's, that means that it's important for us. We've got to be patient. It's a quality of character in our life. It's a quality of character. And he gives this illustration about this farmer who plants his fields and now has to wait for the harvest. And we know that if there's anybody who has patience, a farmer has to have patience. He just don't go and plant the seed one day and get up the next day and, and expect to crop. There's, there's patience that's involved with that. There's a watering process. There's a waiting process. There's a harvest process that he has to go through and be patient to wait upon those things. That's what we were talking about a while ago, that, that sometimes pay, to be spiritual mature, it's going to take some energy. It's going to take some time for us. Amen. We need to listen and we need to learn about those things. A lot of times God says not yet. He doesn't mean no. He just means not yet. God wants to give you and God wants to bless you things with things and you want him to hurry up and you want him to do it now and do it later. And God says you've got to be patient because you can't handle what's coming your way if you don't grow a little bit. You can't handle what's coming your way if you don't guard your mouth. You can't handle what's coming your way. Peter was the same way, man. He was, he was one of the inner guys and he had a mouth problem. He had some issues he had to deal with. But he learned later on, brother, and that's, he, he, he got control of that. He learned, he learned, and it would benefit him later on. But at first, he had some issues he had to deal with. He cursed God, did he not? He rejected God. Until then he heard the rooster crow, and he understood at that moment things began to change in his life. He said, I've got to go back, and I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, fix, I've got to fix this. And the problem that we have sometimes within the body of Christ, we don't, we don't ever learn from our mistakes whenever we offend. You say, Pastor, why are you talking to us about this tonight? We're, we're, we're adult people. We're, we're solid. We're here, we're here with you every Wednesday night. Yeah, but we, we're still human. And it amazes me how human and how adult we are, but yet we still find ourselves in conflict all the time. And it doesn't grow the body of Christ. It doesn't grow the body. So patience is another mark here of this, of this maturity. Another thing is a spiritual mature person is always going to be a prayerful person. He's going to find a person that's going to pray. They pray. They, they love to talk with God. James tells us in five, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, that the, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails what? Much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, of, it, 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 it affects much. Prayer is just simply talking to God, just sharing with God, just talking with Him. It's bringing Him your request. It's praising Him. When we pray, we begin to acknowledge that He has control over our lives. He has control over our lives. We, have to, we had to learn that sometimes. I had to learn that as a dad, you know, raising two kids. There were some times I, I said things I shouldn't have said. I should have been praying instead of talking. 
There's some times I had to watch my mouth when I was raising the children. There's some things I did, Brother Parker, that I wasn't proud of at that time, and I had to go back and apologize to my kids because of offending them and hurting them when I was in, I was in the wrong. I, was, I knew I was in the wrong. And we have, this, we have this, this mentality sometimes about, well, I'm the dad and you're the child. I'm the mama and you're the child, so it's my way or the highway. That's, that's, not, that's not growing a, a, a child with respect. I'm not dealing with, with, with parents and kids tonight, but in the body of Christ, it's the same way. And I don't need to be, as your pastor, get up on Sunday mornings and just, and just scream at you and yell at you and tell you either listen to me or you're dying and going to hell. No, 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 that's not my job. It's to share, it's, it's to share the word with you. It's to encourage you. It's to strengthen you within the body of Christ. And then you have to make the decision. I, I, can't, I can't stand before God for you. You've got to stand before the Lord for you, Right? You have to stand before the Lord. You've got to give an account one day for you. But I can't encourage. The shepherd will encourage. And he'll watch over the sheep. And he'll do whatever's possible to bring them back into the fold. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. And it's painful and it's hurtful at times. And it's hard at times. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was talking about a number of things. And, and uh, he knew, he knew what, what I'd done. He knew I was a pastor. And he said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. He said, what I see in the future for pastors, that your job is going to get harder and harder as, as, as you go along in, this, in the world and society that we, that we live in today. It's going to get hard. And I said, I, I believe you're right. But I can't, you can't stop talking about Christ. You can't stop sharing the message. You, continue, you have to always continue to share the message of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something, church, and you already know this. I'm not sharing with you, and I'm not, I'm not telling you this to, to, make you, to make you think I'm some, kind of, I'm, some, I'm some kind of guy. Dad knows this, Brother Parker knows this, that's pastored churches before. Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it's tough of the things that you've got to deal with and families that you've got to deal with and situations that you know about, and you have to get up on Sunday, and, you, and you're trying to bring an encouraging word, but yet last week you've done had four or five families that, that is, that, that's messed up and, and breaking up and leaving the church and all these things, and how... Are you going to try to encourage them when you need encouragement yourself? And he told me, he said, I, I, I pray for you pastors. I pray for you guys in our community that God would strengthen you. And I appreciate that. I appreciate his sincerity about that. But we've got to understand that a, mature, a spiritual mature person is one that prays. And we, we've got to pray. We've got to continue to pray. Matter of fact, James uses the story of Elijah to show us that there's, that there's power in prayer. He, he told the story, he said, Elijah prayed that it would not rain and stop rain for three years. And then he prayed again and the heavens were opened up. And, and he, he didn't, he didn't manipulate, manipulate God, he just prayed to God and God, he answered his request. He answered his prayer. And so those that are spiritually mature, you and I, we understand the power of God in our life. It's not about us, it's all about God in our life. It's understanding God's, God's power in our life. There's things in our life right now that we think that there's no way that nobody can fix this thing. But we know the truth that God can. God can through our prayer. God can. And God can take that which is broken. He can take that which is, which is fragmented and he can fix it and he can put it back together again. That's the God that we serve. He can take that that is bent and he can straighten it back out again. He can take that which is, which is shattered and he can make it whole again. I love the message our new general overseer, Brother Tim Hill, preached uh, on Friday night of, of, of General Assembly. Some of you probably watched it. He carried around a sheet. For those of you that watched him, you, you, you remember this. He carried around a sheet and he said, you know, when, when, uh, when they came and they took Nicodemus and... and, uh, and uh, 
The guy's name just left my mind. Who, who, who bought the grave for Jesus? Um, Joseph, Arimathea. And Nicodemus, they took his body down, and he said what they'd done, according to Scripture, they wrapped his body. And he said something I never really thought about. They wrapped the body of Jesus, and they straightened it back out because up on that cross, you remember his, his legs and his knees was bent somewhat, and, and, his, and he, was, he was crippled, and his bones was, was deformed somewhat. And, and when they got his body down, they straightened that body back out. They realigned the body, and they wrapped the body of Jesus and put the spices and all those things before they put it in the tomb. Brother Tim Hill got to talking, and he said, you know, as the body of Christ, sometimes we're broken and we're bent out of shape. And there's times that we need to be realigned. There's times that we've got to be straightened back up. There's times that we've got to be taken off the cross and getting our body in the, in the, in the direction or the shape that it needs to be. But he said Jesus then comes in and he wraps the body with his, with his precious blood. And he wraps the body with his love. And he wraps the body to take care of it and to tend and to heal the body of Christ. You see, sometimes we've got to understand that, that he takes that that is bent and he straightens it back out. And he takes that that is shattered and he makes it whole again. God is that kind of God. He's a big God that can handle mine and your problems. Amen. And if there are problems in our life, we know that a spiritually mature individual will go to God in prayer. Not go to everybody else, but go to God in prayer. Go to God in prayer. Those are the marks of being spiritually mature. And today, my prayer and my encouragement for you and I today, we must commit for our life and our life only, we've got to commit to be a spiritual mature individual. Amen. We've got to commit to be a spiritual mature individual. And when we do that, we begin to grow. And God continues to grow us in the Lord. Amen. When I was growing up, in closing, Dad would every now and then get a hold of me and he would take his belt off and he would whoop me. Can y'all say whoop? We, we call it spank today or whatever, but Dad just whooped me. I got a whooping. There were times that he took his belt off and he would whoop me. There were times that whatever was laying close to him, he didn't have a belt, he'd pick up and he'd whoop me with. We call that child abuse today, but he didn't abuse me. There were times that he'd tell me to go out in the yard or he'd go get a switch, you know, with those switches. Some of y'all ain't never been whipped by a switch. You don't know what it's like. You're spoiled, spoiled rotten. You need to be whooped by a switch. He'd send us out there to get that switch and he'd, he'd whoop us. And we wanted to make sure we didn't have shorts on that day for sure. He had to go put a pair of pants or something on, you know, because if you're going to get whooped with a switch, you're going to whelp up especially those peach tree limbs and those kind of things like that. And I think about that concerning the body of Christ sometimes. That, and he'd done that for a reason. Dad done that for a reason to teach me something, to train me, to understand that, you know, what he was trying to, to teach or to let me know that this is not the right way or you need to obey, you need to listen, all these kind of things within, within our family unit, our family body, so to, so to speak. There were, there were moments I needed correcting. Well, in the body, we're the same way in the body of Christ. The Lord sometimes has to correct us. The Lord sometimes has to chastise us. The Lord sometimes has to, you know, hit us between the eyes, so to speak, and step on our toes. But he does that so that we can grow in him. And when we learn to become a spiritual, 
a spiritual mature individual, we can see the value of that. But now if we never grow, we'll never see the value of those things. We'll never see it. At the time, I didn't like the correction. I didn't like the whoopings. I didn't like the switchings. I didn't like those things. I didn't like my dad speaking, you know, what I thought to be ugly words to me. Now, he never did cuss me out or thing, but, 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 you know, sometimes he could talk to me, and I felt I'd rather had a whipping. You know what I'm talking about? But it was, an, it, was a, it was in a matter of love, and he would always come back and embrace and, and love to let us know that, hey, I know I've done this, but, you know, I want you to know I, I love you. We always, we always knew that as kids growing up. But our father does the same thing to us. And sometimes he corrects and sometimes he chastises. But if we want to learn to be a spiritual, mature person in the day and time that we live in, we, we need that in the body of Christ. We, we need that so bad within the body of Christ because we are allowing, whether we believe it or not, church, we are allowing the world to dictate how we need to respond to things. We're looking at this and we're looking at that. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to learn nothing how to, how to respond spiritually mature by looking at your politicians. There's probably some of them out there I ain't saw any of them lately of how to respond, you know, from a spiritually mature individual. They say all kind of things. And I just love our political season where they trash everybody. I thought the word tells us to build one another up, right? Not trash everybody. But that's the system. But we as the body of Christ, we can't listen to the world. We can't allow the world to dictate to you and I how we need to respond to one another. Yeah, you may have been treated bad, and yeah, you may have been treated, you know, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a not good manner. But it does not give us a right to retaliate. There's a right way and a wrong way to do things within the body of Christ. And you and I, as, as God's people, we need to learn how to respond in a spiritual, mature fashion. And when we do that, I promise you, the body of Christ will grow. The body of Christ will grow. Yesterday or, or this morning, I can't remember. Yes, I think it was this morning I saw, they had this news clip. Yeah, it was this morning. I saw a news clip. I don't know where it was. But there was this, uh, there was this congressman uh, uh, in, a, in a particular city, some of y'all may have saw this, that they caught him running around taking up signs of the other opponent. You, you see that? Did y'all see that on television? What I enjoyed about that, about that information is that the opponent paid his bail to get him out of jail. That was class, in my opinion. That was class. <laughs> and so there is, there's some good folk left in the world today. And if I was whoever, wherever they are, I know who I'd be voting for. I don't care if he's Democrat or Republican. I know who I'd be voting for. Of course, character sometimes, that means a lot. It means a lot. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, what a joy it is to, uh, to share your word. Father, I don't take it for granted. I, I thank you for the privilege of doing that. And I pray that what we've said tonight, I pray that it can help all of us, God, know how to respond, know how to act concerning our Christian walk so that we can bring others in to the family. We need family. Family is so important within the body of Christ. In a world that, uh, that seems to divide and conquer and separate, we as the body of Christ, we need to come together as never before to pray and to seek your face. Help us to be the kind of people you want us to be. Help us to be the spiritual, mature individuals that when others see us, they can see Christ, number one, they can say to themselves, I want to be like that one. I want to respond to situations like that one. And Father, we'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.